Good morning. Welcome to Whitehorse Baptist Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're going to start right in with a study or, or some research that the Barna Group has done. Um, Barna Group works for uh, the church for culture, and they, they, they're a Christian organization that take in all these statistics, and they, they give us uh, some raw data, some concrete data on certain things. Well, they did a, the Barna Group did a study called Spiritual Gifts That Christians Say They Have. Spiritual Gifts That Christians Say They Have. And they found this. Between those who do not know their gift... 15%, those who say they don't have one, 28%, and those who claimed gifts that are not biblical, 20%, nearly two-thirds of the self-identified Christian population who claim to have heard about spiritual gifts have not been able to accurately apply whatever they have heard or what the Bible teaches on the subject to their lives. Now, to break that down, we have 15% that don't know their gifts. 28% don't think they have any gifts, and 20% claim to have gifts that don't actually appear in Scripture. And out of that final 20%, that one-fifth of Christianity surveyed, self-identified Christians, here's some of what they said uh, are gifts that they have, spiritual gifts that they have, that actually don't appear in the Bible. Some said they had the gift of sense of humor, the gift of singing, health, life, spiritual gift of happiness, patience, or the spiritual gift of a job or a house, spiritual gift of compromise, premonition, creativity, or the spiritual gift of clairvoyance. Now, now when we look at that, on the other side, only 37% of Christians surveyed know their spiritual gifts, their biblical spiritual gifts. 37%. Just over one-third of Christians surveyed know their spiritual gifts. And as a pastor, I think about that, and I, I wonder too, um, well, out of that 37%, um, how many use their gifts? 30, 37% know their gifts, but how many use their spiritual gifts? Clearly, we have a serious problem, at least in the Western church. Well, we've been going through a series called Disciple Making in the 21st Century. We're looking at this idea is what is a disciple? What is a disciple 2,000 years ago? And is that still valid in 2017? Can we still go and make disciples? Can we still fulfill the Great Commission? And uh, last week we looked at spiritual gifts and we actually did a, a live like in the church. We through online assessments and, and paper assessments. You guys found out your own spiritual gifts and took those home. And so everyone here should know their spiritual gifts. So we should be a part of that 37% that Barna Group found. Well, this week we're going to be connecting those spiritual gifts to the natural and learned abilities, the things we know how to do, the things we love to do. And without further uh, ado, let's jump right in. We're going to look. Uh, we're going to look at First Peter four this morning. First Peter four, and uh, we're going to read verses seven through eleven. Verses 7 through 11 of 1 Peter 4. Here we go. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, a bit of the context of this time, uh, this was written by Peter, and he, uh, somewhere, somewhere in this time period, the, the church was going through a lot of persecution. Uh, the Roman Empire was fed up with Christianity, and there was martyrdom and persecution and just lots of terrible things. And we, we know through historical record that Peter was actually crucified under, under Emperor Nero for preaching the gospel somewhere around the start of 68 AD. And scholars believe that this, this passage was written somewhere between 64 and 68 AD. So, in that four-year period somewhere. Now, out of this passage in 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, I want to I pinpoint focus onto verse 10. So, center on first verse 10, that verse that says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And specifically this word steward. Strong's exhaustive concordance states that the word steward, to be a steward, is to manage the affairs of a household, to manage, to dispense, to order, to regulate. The idea here is that the spiritual gifts that we are given actually don't belong to us. We're kind of like spiritual gift treasurers. God has given us these gifts. They actually belong to the greater body and ultimately belong to him. But we're to be a where to be good stewards or be do a good job at treasurer so that we can uh, distribute the gifts that we've been given, you know, uh, for the greater good of the body. But we can never say, oh, God gave me spiritual gifts and they are to better me or they are to fulfill my needs, my wants. That's actually not what the Bible indicates that these gifts are actually for. Um, Ellicott's commentary states this, no one receives these gifts spiritual or temporal, as his own. He is but a steward. And when he offers them to the church, it is not as a benefactor, but as a servant ministering. Jameson Fawson Brown puts it this way, the Spirit's gifts, literally gift of grace, that is gratuitously bestowed, are, catch this, the common property of the Christian community. The common property of the Christian community. Each Christian being a steward for the edifying of the whole, not received the gift merely for his own use. And, and to catch this further, so, so if we're to be good stewards, well, what's the opposite of that? Well, if we turn to 1 Timothy 4, turn to 1 Timothy 4, uh, we find Paul talking to his pastoral apprentice, apprentice Timothy, and, and we see kind of the, the opposite of being a good steward of spiritual gifts. If you scroll down 1 Timothy 4, uh, scroll down to 14 through 16, 14 through 16, it says this, Paul writing to Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by the prophecy when the, el when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on, your, on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now this concept, the opposite here is, Paul says, do not neglect 
the gift you have. Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have. First Peter, we, we see that Peter says to the church, okay, be good stewards of the gift. And here Paul is saying, do not neglect the gift. This is the, this is the opposite. You have a choice. You have a choice to be a good steward of the gift and distribute it accordingly for the greater good of the body. Or you can just be given this gift and neglect it. Don't even look at it. Don't use it. Don't do anything. But, but, but Paul's words to Timothy, they go further. In verse 15, he said of 1 Timothy 4, he says, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. This, this immersion, this concept of like baptism, we're fully dunked under. We're, we're totally covered. And, and so, practicing, practicing our spiritual gifts, immersing ourselves in them, they become a part of us. So, we get this sense that, that being a steward um, is, is something that we practice with our gifts, that we immerse ourselves in them. That's the opposite of neglect. Well, the, the big idea here is, or the big question that you may have is, okay, Pastor Jeremy, I get it. So, so 1 Peter 4, it says, be a good steward of our gift. First, First Timothy 4 says, don't neglect it, immerse, practice. Okay, so I get that, but why don't more Christians use their gifts? We looked at that Barna study and people aren't using their gifts. Like, what's the deal? Well, I believe that there's, there's four reasons. There's four different reasons why more Christians don't use their gifts. And, and the first one is they have no knowledge of their gifts. You know, they just don't know what their spiritual gifts are. And they've never taken any sort of assessment as a tool. It's not scripture like we did last week. Or perhaps they've never asked a fellow believer, hey, do you know what my spiritual gifts are? You know, or ask themselves, when do I feel the Spirit's presence the most? As I interact with the church, where, where am I feeling this feeling uh, uh, of the Spirit? Like for me, when I'm preaching, when I'm speaking, I just feel so close to the Spirit. I can feel Him using me. I can feel the use of my spiritual gifts. And it might be different for everyone, not teaching or preaching. It's going to be different for someone else. For example, someone may say, I feel the Holy Spirit's presence when using my trade to help people or doing physical work in the church. Well, that's a spiritual gift of helps and, and that connection and the natural and, and learned abilities of working with hands and doing physical work. You may join the facilities team here at our church. Another example, maybe someone says, I, f- I really feel the Holy Spirit's presence when I'm reading Christian literature, studying scripture, or gathering information about Christian history, culture, and the church. Okay, that, that's also a spiritual gift. Maybe you have the spiritual gift of knowledge. And if that's the case, our library team needs you. They, they, they want to stay current with literature and, and someone who loves to read and study that and, and see that it's aligning with scripture. We need that on our team. Well, there might be another reason. Another reason may be they have no affirmation of their spiritual gifts. No affirmation of their spiritual gifts. If, if, um, if that's the case, you know, perhaps you've been using your spiritual gifts, ask, ask a believer who's witnessed your service. And moreover, that they're, they're not afraid to tell you the truth. Just ask them, hey, I've been doing this thing. Do you think this is one of my spiritual gifts? Or ask yourself, do I feel the Spirit's presence when I'm serving in this ministry? Am I just doing this as a job or a role? Have I just always done this in the church? Or is this something truly that, that I'm drawing closer to Jesus through the Spirit's work as I'm doing this? You know, some examples of this, someone may say that they're gifted at teaching, maybe in a class or leading a small group, but they've not been affirmed, uh, maybe not by, been affirmed by attendance growth of the group, or even verbally. And maybe people are afraid to tell them, hey, this isn't your, your gig. 
But someone may say, well, I've always done this, and if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. Well, why continue? If there's no growth, if, if, if there's no affirmation, don't. But on the other hand, maybe you ask someone, someone's like, oh, you're a great teacher. Look at the growth we've had. Um, this, this group has been going for a while, and people's lives have been changed. Okay, that's affirmation. And, and I know for me as the pastor, each year I, I talk to my ministry lead, lead team, the people who lead our ministries, and every year I want to ask them, do you feel God calling? Do you feel the Spirit calling you to this ministry, or are you just filling a position? Because at the start, they may really feel the Spirit moving in them to lead this and to, and to use their gifts in this area, but if it's getting to the point a few years down the road where they're just filling the position, don't do it. L- leave it for someone else. Another reason why people might not use their spiritual gifts is they have no opportunity to use their spiritual gifts. No opportunity. And there's something that happens in the church, in the Western church in particular, and uh, a lot of times there's this concept, well, I would use my gift or I would serve in the church if someone personally invited me. And sometimes it goes as far, even if a pastor and elder, well, the pastor never specifically asked me to do this. Well, until he does, then I'm not going to do it. Well, that's just not in the Bible. And nowhere does it say, you know, you know, put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, get baptized, and then sit in a pew until the pastor asks you to do something. The, the concept is, is when we're filled with the Spirit, filled with these gifts, we actively pursue, we actively seek out areas to serve. And that's that stewardship thing. The gifts have been given to us. It's our responsibility to seek opportunities. And, and this is where the natural and learned abilities come in because we, we need to ask ourselves, what natural or learned abilities could I use for our church? What do I love to do? What, what hobbies do I have? What work do I do? What trade do I do? What, you know, whatever it may be, those things that I, I, I'm naturally good at or I've really learned and studied, they can be used for the church. For example, you know, in our, in our church, our front of house, our kind of hospitality, welcoming people in, we, we've got a few couples that are, they're just friendly. They, they're they naturally friendly. They they like to joke around and they, they like to serve by hanging up people's coats and help them and, and you know, high-fiving little kids and, you know, difference. They're just naturally good at that. I think in any context, they're good at that. Um, but then they've also learned more and more ways to be socially comfortable with people. And, and so, as people walk into our church, they're amazing at that, you know, um, specifically Woody and Cheryl and, and their efforts to, to lead that. And I don't want to leave out Dan and Marie and Chris and Sandy. These couples are incredible. And yet, um, you know, they're ready to train up the next generation of of front of house hospitality, that welcoming team. And, uh, you know, we have that welcome desk and, and we're looking for people that know our church that can answer questions and things like that. So, think about that. The, the last reason coming to our conclusion here is, is no interest in using their gifts. Maybe someone has no interest in using their gifts and this is tragic. But, but as I think about this, and as a pastor, I really don't believe that it's possible to truly have the Holy Spirit, to have a real conversion experience with Jesus Christ and not feel the Spirit's call to serve in some capacity. You, you can't just spend your whole life ignoring the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's, there's a, there's, if that is the case, then that person really needs to go back to the cross. If you can truly ignore the Holy Spirit, man, there's some salvation problems, never mind spiritual gift problems. And, and so, for me, I often think of this as there's no interest in using their spiritual gifts in a different way. And here's what I mean by that, in a different way. 
I think there's people that have been in this church a long time and they're fear and they have a fear of losing something good that used to be great. Fear of losing something good that used to be great. And maybe this is some ministry that was just awesome in, say, the 80s or 90s, and it was just experiencing all sorts of growth, and there was people volunteering and giving to it, and everyone's using their gifts, and it is just the greatest ministry ever. And, and sometimes we can have nostalgia about those things. And the day of that ministry, the, the way it's going to be, and maybe it's Sunday school or a VBS or it's a, you know, whatever it may be, Wednesday night prayer meeting, Sunday night service, you know, a lot of these things that churches are struggling to keep going, but, but people still want to commit their gifts to those. And they're just, it's like they're juggling. And, and, and when the ministry was going great, they didn't have to juggle that many balls because there was other people using their gifts and serving in that ministry. But, but as time moves on and they're not as popular, they're not reaching people, there's no growth. And next thing you know, this person that's so dedicated to this single ministry, they've, now they've got all the balls. They're trying to just keep this thing afloat. And, and it's still a good thing. It's a good ministry, but it used to be great. It's not good. It's not great anymore. And there's something new that, could, that, that gifts could be used. And this is the second part. Sometimes we, we have a fear of trying something new that could be great. The next thing, the next ministry that, that we need to use, and it could be great, but we're still over here doing this good thing, this ministry. And sometimes we'll even use terminology of stewardship. We'll say, we'll say, you know, God gave us this ministry and we need to be good stewards of it. But that's actually not the biblical component that first Peter's talking about. God gave us spiritual gifts and we need to be good stewards of those. But in our lifetime, our spiritual gifts may be used in 15, 20, 25, 100 different ministries. It's the same spiritual gift that we're being a steward of. And sometimes we inaccurately place the, the stewardship of our spiritual gift on a particular ministry, on a thing, or maybe a property, or a, or a program, or something like that. And that's actually not a biblical concept. And so, when I say this, no interest in using their gifts, I think there's some people in the church that they have no interest in using their gifts in a different way, in a different way than they did when they were younger, or in a different way that they used it when it was successful. And they want to live in this nostalgia. And so, for us, as a congregation, we need to be very, very cautious that we don't we don't state a ministry or a program as something that can't die and that needs to move on because that's not actually true. It's probably only been around for 50 years, 100 years, who knows? You know, it's definitely not a ministry that probably the disciples were doing. And yet, the spiritual gifts have stood the test of time. For, for, for over 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been blessing people with spiritual gifts and they have been used in a number of programs, number of ministries, number of different ways to reach the lost and to build up the body of Christ. And so we should never be scared to get rid of a program, to get rid of a ministry, but we should be very scared if we get to the point where we get rid of our spiritual gifts. We must use our spiritual gifts. And so I would challenge everyone today, if you're not using your spiritual gifts, 
go to the back, look at our service board, look at our ministry leaders, grab one of their cards and just say, hey, I, I don't know where I can serve, but I'm feeling led to serve this way. May, may our church be that 30 per, 37% that know our spiritual gifts, but may we also be that lesser percentage that is using on a weekly basis, using our spiritual gifts. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for today. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit, and with Him, the the spiritual gifts. Father, may this church do an incredible job at using our gifts to build each other up as these gifts belong to us. And may, as we build and as we become more healthy, may we cast greater vision, greater mission, and may we reach this city of Whitehorse with the gospel. Use the gifts in this church to do incredible things. In Jesus' name, amen.